You're listening to the City Light Sermon Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. So sometimes I get a little, a little weepy when I uh, talk about Jesus and about God just because he's just done so much good stuff in my life. Um, and it's interesting that we had the whole like say yes campaign back there because when I was thinking about this message with the Lord, um, I felt like he wanted me to title this message, Say Yes, and I had no idea, well, I think I knew, but I wasn't thinking about it, that the whole campaign is Say Yes, and so it's just, it's just cool that, like, the Lord is, like, calling us to say yes, and so my message today is more about saying yes, just, like, in the everyday, mundane, like, boring parts of life, um, and as we were worshiping, I just felt like the Lord wanted to remind us, and I think he already reminded us, that before we can say before there's even a desire to say yes to God, like we have to know his goodness. Like we have to rest in his goodness and know how good he is. And so I just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray again and just, just say a, a, just a thank you prayer and, and just, kind of, just kind of bring us into the goodness of God because we're never, we're never gonna say yes to God unless we know he's good. Like that, that's the most important thing that we would know that he is a good, good father. And so, Father, I just, I thank you that you are so, 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 so good. That you never left our side. You've never let me down. You've always been good. You've always been faithful. I thank you that you're so good in each of these people's lives. I just ask that your goodness would uh, just be just, just a, an understanding, a greater measure of your goodness would be understood today in, in my heart and in, in the hearts of people in this room and, and that we would just, uh, just be able to just demonstrate your goodness to the world by saying yes to you. Uh, thank you, God, that you're so good. Amen. Um, so I'm talking about saying yes and... Um, one of the things I was thinking about too, one of the, the greatest hindrances maybe that the, uh, the enemy does is to thwart God's children from saying yes to him, to, to God, is he, uh, he likes to bring in fear and in intimidation. And so I had this, this dream, this, this vision one time, I don't know if I, if I was awake or asleep, but it happened. I was laying on a couch one morning, early in the morning, and I was just spending time with the Lord, and I was just laying on the couch, and kind of just meditating on him and who he is. And as I was laying there, there uh, is not the house I live in now, but the, the front door was like right behind my couch. And as I was laying there, um, all of a sudden I felt like there was this dark presence, presence that was like creeping through the door. And as I laid there, like the, the presence of darkness felt thicker. And I, could, I, I heard like the door opening and... I felt like someone was coming in to like, like rob my house. You know, I was terrified. I was laying on the couch. I feel like someone's about to rob my house. It's early in the morning. And all of a sudden I realized I can't move. Like I'm laying there and I can't even move. And I'm like, why, like, why am I so petrified? And why am I so afraid right now? I couldn't move. And I was, as I was laying there not being able to move, feeling this presence of darkness wanting to come and like just rob my house and do whatever he was going to do, um, I started reminding and like thinking about 
the goodness and the love of God and like God is for me. And I just started thinking about God and his goodness toward me. And as I was thinking about that, I began to be able to move. And as soon as I was able to move, I like flipped back and like looked at the door and it was closed and there was no darkness or anything like that. And so that's why I'm like, I don't know if it's a vision or a dream or what, but it happened. And so immediately after that, I asked the Lord, I was like, what was that all about? And I sensed him saying like, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Like that's in the scriptures. And the method that he uses is fear. And when you live in that fear, it paralyzes you. It paralyzes you. You're not able to move. You're not able to do what God's asked you to do because you're paralyzed by fear. But when you remember the goodness and the love and the kindness of our God and our Father, it allows you to move. It frees you up to do what he's called you to do. And so I just want to I want to say that in a way of like, the enemy is going to come, y'all. He's going to come and he's going to bring fear and intimidation because he does not want you to do what the Lord has called you to do. That's one of his greatest delights, the enemy, Satan, is you not doing what you've been called to do by God. And so he's going to, like, this whole Say Yes campaign, this whole, like, building project and all that kind of stuff, like, the Lord's going to ask you to do things that are hard. It may be uncomfortable, and maybe you're not sure about. Um, and the enemy is going to come, and he's going to bring fear to paralyze you so that you don't do it. But we got to believe that he's good, and he's always good, and that his plans are good, and he's always going to provide, and he's always faithful. Because when we believe that, we're able to step into what he's asked us to do. And as I was thinking about, like, man, sometimes it's just, like, it's just hard. Like, God's called us to do things that are, like, super scary sometimes, and they just don't make sense, like totally illogical and like just out of our comfort zone and all that kind of stuff. And, and as I was thinking about that and just thinking like, like how do, like how do we like, like tap in, I guess, into like the faith that God's given us, I, I, I began just thinking about like our forefathers. And so if you've been born into the family of God, like we have an incredible history of people who said yes to God, Right people who didn't have the scriptures, people who didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, people who had far, 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 far less than what we have today because Jesus has come, he died, and he did send his Holy Spirit. So these people, our forefathers in faith, like Abraham and David and Moses and Noah, all these people have gone way, 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 way before us. They said yes to God. That were just some of the most insane, insane things, but they were faithful. So I... I, I debated whether I, I would read the whole passage of Hebrews 11, but I just, I just think this, the scriptures just speak the loudest, and so I'm just going gonna, gonna to go for it. So Hannah, if you could just pull up Hebrews 11, um, and I can see it back there, but I'm going to read it from here. Um, and as I read this, um, just remember that these people are just like you. You know, they weren't special. They weren't like superhumans. They weren't, they, they were just like us, just people, right? And um, just from, kind of just as I read it, you can obviously look at the screen if, if that helps, but it, just kind of just like receive and like allow these people's stories to encourage your faith and to like build up your faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he, would, he should not see death. And he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for saving his household. By this, he he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city He's looking forward to the city that has a foundation whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even though she was past the age. She was like 90 years old, if you didn't know. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, one man, and him as good as dead, so Abraham was like 100 years old when Isaac was born, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable grains in the sands of the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Just want to just pause there. Like, do you believe that you're, you know, you're a sojourner? You're a stranger. Like, this isn't your home. Like, we're living for eternity. And there's this is just like we've said so many in the past Sunday, this is just a blip. You know, this is just uh, just a and it's gone. And so we're, we're living for, for something much bigger than our retirement or, um, you know, it's, it's eternity. Um, where was I? Which one is that? 14? Okay. For people who speak thus made it clear that they were seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, and that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promises, was an act of offering by his only son, for whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. But faith, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph bowing in worship and over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking toward the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For a time would fail me to tell Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And it's, I mean, it just blows my, li- my, my mind, like, just the, like, you read those stories, and like, you've probably, a lot of you have maybe heard those stories since you were a kid, and, and they're just incredible. And the Lord has wanted to do the same things in us, maybe not the same, like, extremities as, as some of these characters in the Bibles, but like, the idea that, like, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, he called some of these people to do very much crazy and insane things, and he might ask us to do the same thing. He might ask us to do things that we're not comfortable with, that we're doubtful of, and seem really difficult. But remember that we have like a whole history of people who said yes, and, and, and God, God showed up in all their situations. And so you can trust that God is gonna show up in any situation that you have when when he asked you to do something a little, a little crazy and a little difficult. And so, like, we're people who walk by faith, not by sight. That's, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And so, like, we shouldn't just be walking by what we see, right? We should be walking by what we don't see. Um, I was thinking of, of Paul the Apostle, um, and... He, like, so he was someone who persecuted the church, and then, like, he had a visitation from Jesus, the very person he was persecuting, and, and Jesus changed his life around. And this is what Jesus uh, said to uh, the guy who came to remove his scales of blindness. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. But Acts 9, 15 through 16, uh, God is talking to, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's some name. Go, for he is a chosen, Paul is a chosen instrument of mine, to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much, he, how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so like, the, like God called Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and like he said, like, I'm gonna show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So like before like Paul even like stepped in, like, he knew that like suffering was gonna happen. How many of us, when we're living our life, you know, expect that's not going to be easy. You know, like, 
How many of us are, 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 are going to be obedient to Christ, whether it means losing your house, you know, or selling everything and, and going overseas? My in-laws are in here. I see them in the back. They live in Anderson, so it's cool that they're here. Um, and they, I mean, they're incredible people. They uh, grew up and they had a family in Beaufort. My wife was growing up in Beaufort, and they had great jobs, a great house, and just a great life. Like, they're incredible, just solid people. And when Jen and I got married, about, about a year after we got married, they decided, like, hey, we're going to quit our jobs, and we're going to sell our house, and we're going to go overseas to Mozambique, and we're going to go to a mission school held by Heidi Baker. And so, like, and they did all that because they felt called by God to do that. And that's, I mean, that, that's in, that sounds insane. If you were to t- tell, like, a normal human being, like, on this earth, they'd be like, what? You're stupid. Like, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Like, I don't think that's God. And, but, I mean, they had an incredible time, and they've come back. I mean, that was years ago, and they come back, and they've done incredible things here in the States. But, like, sometimes the Lord calls us to things that are difficult and just, just plain hard, and you're not sure it's him sometimes. Um, and I just, I mean, just some personal stories of, of my own life and, like, my life with Jenna and, like, ways that we've walked this life. Like, um, and I don't, I don't want to share these stories to, like, like, elevate myself, but just as, like, a, a fellow sojourner with all you guys on this earth, a fellow person on this earth, like, I'm just a normal guy. I have a lot of problems that I'm working through, but, like, the Lord's done, this some, like, he's called Jen and I to things that were just different, and it was hard, and, like, one of the things when Jen and I first got married, we, uh, we went to Africa about two weeks later for a missions trip, and um, came back, and, and we just, like, decided in our hearts, like, why do we, why do we live on quote-unquote, mission more purposely when we go on an admissions trip than we do here when we come back to the States. And so we just started thinking about, like, what does it look like to live, like, just on mission and just the everyday mundaneness of life? Like, how can we live on call? How can we live on purpose? Whatever you want to call it, just in the normalness of life. And so we, we lived in this small little duplex. It was probably, like, you know, 500 square feet. It had two bedrooms, one bath, a little living room, a little kitchen. And uh, we said, Lord, we have two bedrooms. Um, is there anyone that you want us to, like, come and, like, live in this house with us? And, you know, we've been married for, like, a month. Um, and so we had just been praying that and just kind of opened that to the Lord and said, if you want someone to live with us, then bring that person. And lo and behold, there is, we lived kind of downtown and said so we were encountering a lot of people who lived on the streets. And... There's one guy named Tim that we had taken over to our house and like played games with him. And he was like a 53-year-old man, so it's like it's like playing games with like these 20-year-olds in their house. It's kind of like weird, but um, we like just invited him to our house and like shared meals with him and stuff like that. And one day we saw him when we actually when we got back from Africa, we saw him like the day we got back, and he was just like wandering the streets. And we're like, oh, let's go pick him up and see how he's doing. And uh, we pick him up and we're like, how are you doing, Tim? And he's like, well. You know, if you've never met Tim, he used to come here. He'd be like, well, I'm just uh, I'm going to have to get kicked out of the Salvation Army because I've been there too long and, and they, don't, they don't want me here anymore. Because he had been there like two years and you're not like allowed to be there that long. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so he just has a super deep voice and we're like, oh, dang, like that stinks. Like, again, it kicked out of the Salvation Army. And so like, so like, and privately in my heart, I said, Lord, like, if you want us to take him in, would you give me or Jenna a dream tonight? And it was just like real quick. I didn't tell Jenna about it. Um, it was just something between me and the Lord. And 
that night, like, because we were, like, way, like, jet-lagged, and, like, like we went to bed at, like, 5 o'clock because, like, Africa, where we went was, you know, the time's way different. Went to bed at 5 o'clock, wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning, and Jenna wakes up, and the first thing she tells me is, I had a dream last night that Tim was living with us. What do you think that means? You know? And I was like, well, I know what it means. Uh, and, and so we just, like, right there, we're like, well, I, I guess it can't get more plain and simple than that. I think we got to take Tim and take Tim in, and he's going to live with us. And so Tim comes and live with us, like, the next week. Um, and the whole, like, reason, like, as we, like, process the Lord, like, why we were taking Tim in is because we uh, felt like he said he needs to know what family is, and he needs to know what love is. Not, like, to get him back on his feet and, like, get him a job and, like, things that you would typically, like, do for somebody who's, like, living on the streets. It was, like, he needs to understand what love is. He needs to understand what family is because he didn't have that growing up. And so we did that, and he lived with us for two years, um, and now he doesn't. Um, but that was, like, I can't tell you how many people thought we were so weird, <laughs> you know? Like, how, and then we, like, a couple months later after him, we took in another guy who was living on the streets, and he struggled with alcohol, and he was a believer, and he lived with Tim, and we called Tim and Howard our two little sons, because they're like two 53-year-old men who, you know, just like bickered and fought sometimes, and like it felt like we had like kids in our house, you know, and, uh, <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, like, like the Lord's going to call you to do things sometimes that people won't agree with. Like, some of my closest friends uh, thought I was, I was just dumb. Like, just, like, like, I was doing a stupid act. Like, that Jenna was going to be put in danger, you know? And, and Jenna, like, in a way, like, I did put her in danger. Like, we didn't know these people intimately, you know? But, like, we trusted that the Lord told us to do this. And so if we trust God, that he, he's going to be good to us. And he's not going to, like, you know, like, be sneaky behind our backs and, like, make something bad happen to Jenna. And so, like, we just had to trust the Lord. And, like, during this whole time, if you don't know, like, Jenna and I were youth pastors, and we were only making $500 a month. Not a lot of money. <laughs> $500 a month. And not because the church was being stingy. It's just because we just started, and there was, like, two kids in the youth group, you know? Like, it wasn't like I had, like, a huge full-time job, but, like, I felt like I needed to commit myself to this. And so Jenna and I just committed our lives to, like, the students and to the church. And, like, doing this whole church life, and uh, so I remember telling the Lord, I was like, Lord, like, how are we going to have enough money to even feed Tim? Like, we hardly have enough money to feed ourselves. Like, how are we going to have enough money to feed him? And he provided. Like, he provided every time, and so, like, the Lord is good. He is good. He is good. If he calls you to do something, he is going to provide. He always does. It's his nature. He never not, doesn't provide. He always provides, and so we can trust him. We can trust our Father. He is so, so good. I remember when I was, so this is for the high schoolers and the middle schoolers in here. Um, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I, uh, just talking about saying yes to God, I, I, so I lived in a pretty like sexually immoral relationship with this girl in high school and in like the first month of college. And so we had sex before marriage. We weren't married. And I knew it was wrong. I like grown up in the church and like I just knew it was wrong. And at this point, I had been kind of encountered by the love of Jesus and, like, was wanting to really, like, live a life that was obedient to God because the first thing that Jesus told me when I met him was, like, if you love me, you obey me. 
And so I, I really wanted to like demonstrate my love for God through obedience to him because that's how we demonstrate love. And so I realized that, you know, I'd like kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd done sin and it was wrong. And, and I was like, I need to like, I need to tell my parents. Like I need to be vulnerable with my parents. And so if you're in high school or middle school in here, like it was the scariest thing I've ever, ever done being vulnerable with my parents about having sex before marriage. Because it's like, like during that time, that was like, the big no-no of the church, you know, like, you don't have sex before marriage, you know, and I still don't think you should have sex before marriage, obviously, I'm still, like, anyways, um, but, uh, and so I went to them, I was so scared, you know, I, like, called my parents in the bedroom, like, can I tell you something, and they're like, oh, no, and uh, I told them that, but they responded with so much grace and so much love, and so I think as students, um, um, sometimes we don't give our parents the opportunity to express love and forgiveness and grace in such a wonderful way. We're just afraid. And so we need to give our parents and people in authority over us, so whether you're in the workplace or not, people in authority over us the opportunity to extend forgiveness and grace and love. And so don't fear your parents in like an unhealthy way. Um, like be vulnerable with them. It's, it's the healthy, like it was the healthiest thing for my relationship with my parents to be that vulnerable with them because it bonded us in a way that would have never happened. And then, and then it gave them courage to start like, talking about things in the future too. Um, and just, just the most recent story, um, one of just a weird thing the Lord asked us, Jen and I to do, because sometimes you remember he asked us to do weird things. So he had placed on Jenna's heart and in my heart to like get a house. And so we really wanted to buy a house. We'd been renting, we'd lived, in like four years, we'd lived in four different houses or something like that. So we just like moved around and we're like renting from different places. And so he just placed in our hearts to like get a house. And we wanted, we just desired a house, you know. We were tired of moving all the time. And so I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, how do we get a house? We don't have a savings account. Like we don't have any money. Because <laughs> we like, we haven't made a lot of money in our life and like we love to give. And so I asked him like, how do we get a house? We don't have any money saved. And... He told me, he said, I want you to give more money. I said, what? Give more money? Like, aren't, aren't I supposed to be saving money to buy a house? Like, are you sure you want me to give money? And sure enough, like, that was like the word of the Lord. And so I told Jen, I was like, Jen, I think to get a house, we have to give more money. And she's like, you know, like, just kind of like, like, oh. And so we, like, entered into a season and just to be like, Jenna's like, incredible. Um, I come to her sometimes like telling her the things the Lord told me and it just sounds weird and she's been so faithful and like such a helper. Like she's never been like, like Jenna really is like the Holy Spirit in my life. Like she acts like that and I honor her so much. Like I trust anything she says. But anyway, so like we entered into a season of, of just giving more money than we'd ever given in the past and, and then we got a house. And it was, like, it was the most stress-free, enjoyable process I've ever, like, experienced. Like, people say buying a house is, like, stressful. And I was like, really? Like, mine was great. Um, and, like, the Lord gave us an incredible house. It wasn't, like, a dumpy shack. Like, it was, like, it's everything we asked for. It's, like, we asked for a brick house. He gave us a brick house. We asked for a workshop in a garage. He gave us a workshop in a garage. We asked for... Uh, 
a farmhouse sink. The house had a farmhouse sink. You know, like all the little things. Like he cared about all the little things and he gave us all of that because he, he loves us, right? He loves us and he loves to give us good gifts. And so it's, I share those stories because they're, they're stories that, you know, just demonstrate the weirdness of things God asks us to do sometimes. And so you all have your own stories of like weird things God has asked you to do. And I, you know, I wish I could hear all of them because I'm so, I'm so encouraged by faith stories and people saying yes to God and people stepping out of faith and believing God even when it sounds stupid, right? Even when it sounds illogical. And so um, I hope that, you know, those stories bring encouragement to your heart. Um, and I wrote this down just, um, walking by faith is not just for the elite, you know, so it's not just for the people up here who speak and stuff. It's, all, it's for all sons and daughters of God. So if you're a son and daughter of God, like you're called to walk by faith. It's his heart and his destiny for us that we should intimately walk with him, trusting him with all areas of our hearts and lives. So like that's his desire, right? To be intimate with us, for us to walk with him. And so uh, I don't know if any of you guys have ever read the Passion Translation of the Bible. It's like a new translation being written. I think they only have the New Testament written, but it's really... It's kind of like the message, it's just a little more like in our kind of language. Um, and a very well-known proverb that you guys have probably all heard before. I just wanted to read it from the passage translation because it just says it in a different way. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. So, like, don't trust in your own opinions. Sometimes our opinions are not his opinions. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Um, and so now just to kind of, like, uh, is there a clock somewhere so I can know what time it is? I just use my phone. Cool. Okay. Whoa. It's 1120. <laughs> uh, all right. So I need to wrap this up. Um, just with the building, the building... I'm just going to talk really quick about the building, but like, so when, about a couple months ago, the Lord, uh, I was just praying before we even started talking about this campaign with the building and stuff like that, the Lord spoke to me, he said, um, he he brought a verse to mind, I didn't know what verse it was, but he just said something to me, and I had to look it up, Um, but he said, basically like, I want you to prepare uh, the church's house before you prepare your own house, Um, and so I looked it up, and it's in Haggai 1.9, And so, like, God is speaking to his people, and he says, My house lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. And so, like, obviously, like, we live the new, like, covenant, and, like, we're the house of God and stuff like that. But, like, for me, like, with this whole building project and, like, saying yes to this this, uh, building thing that we're doing with the Swamp Rabbit Crossing, uh, the Lord has been speaking to Jen and I, and we're, like, we're on this journey with the Lord, and he's wanting us to, like, be more considerate about how can we lay aside funds for this house, for Swamp Rabbit Crossing, over our own house. And so I just want to encourage you guys to, like, just really partner with what the Father is speaking for you to do concerning Swamp Rabbit Crossing. That's what he spoke to Jen and I. I'm not saying that he's going to speak the same thing to you, but he wants to speak something to you as we join this, like, just join this venture with God for this property. Like, he wants to build this property. I'm convinced that he wants to build this property because it's going to influence the city in such a powerful way. Like, he wants to make Greenville more like the heavenly kingdom, right? And so the more that we 
partner with him with what things that he's doing, the more that's going to happen. And so I think that the Swamp River Crossing is going to be just such an incredible uh, move of God in the city to bring about his kingdom here on earth, specifically in Greenville. And so I just want to challenge you to just listen to, to what God is speaking to you on behalf of the Swamp River Crossing. Um, it might be something that sounds ridiculous. It might be something that sounds normal. Um, and then lastly, I just want to read a couple things, and I'm going to be done. Okay. Um, Proverbs 19.23, this is from the, the passage translation again. It says, when you live a life of abandoned love, surrendered before the awe of God, here's what you'll experience. Abundant life, continual protection, and complete satisfaction. Isn't that so good? And then just to kind of close us out, um, Hebrews, you know, the whole hall of fame with Hebrews 11, hall of faith, or not hall of fame, hall of faith, with Hebrews 11, like, then goes into Hebrews 12, and it, uh, it's just so, so good. Um, and so just kind of like as my, my uh, final words, um, Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who've gone before us, huge cloud, they're cheering us on. That's what they're doing. This cloud of witnesses are cheering us on to go for it, to say yes, to go after the heart of God, to walk with him intimately. Since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let's just lay it aside and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so Father, I just... I just thank you that we have all of heaven cheering us on. They're cheering us on, saying, go for it. Don't give up. Don't give up. You can do it. You can do it. So I just thank you, Lord, that heaven is cheering us on and that you're the author and perfecter of our faith, that we just trust in you. We look to you, Jesus. We look to you that you're leading us and guiding us and you are are doing things that are way beyond our understanding. And we just want to press into you. Thank you, Jesus, for being so, so good and going before us and making the way. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please let us know by leaving feedback on our iTunes podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.